we could do this, but it's hard for pastors to be appreciated. So I know you guys want to say something, but uh, she's going to read a scripture with us, and we're going to dig in into the words. to go along with everything that's been going on this morning about suffering and about um, mission and giving God the glory. Um, it's in Second uh, Corinthians 4, 7 starts. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God yeah. and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is work at, uh, at work in us, but life is work at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Amen. I encourage you, if you, God puts a scripture, a word into your heart, express that. God is speaking not only to you, but also then to you, he's going to speak through you. Uh, and that's our prayer, and that's our hope. My uh, hopes that you know as we begin this part is, I know it's Pastor Appreciation Month, but I do dream and and even pray for when a church becomes, you know, People Appreciation Month, and the church is seen as the pastors, the ministers. And so if you've not understood that or, or, or wrestled with that, what if the church became, we could appreciate all of you, but, but understand, you're the pastors, the elders, the small group life leaders, the life group that not just is being hosted and led, but the people that are in that, we are the arms and feet of the Lord and when we become the church, as God had intended it, it would be Pastor's Appreciation Month, and we could appreciate all of us. And I I'm, I'm just want to encourage you, we are his body, but together we are his pastors, his ministers to the cities, to the towns, to our neighbors. And so my, my prayer is, and my dream is, is that we understand that we are his church, but we are his ministers, we're his pastors. And then I can write you notes all, all week and just continue to appreciate what you are doing, because it's a joy to serve the Lord. It honestly is. It's humbling, but it's a joy to be his vessel, his voice. We're going to go ahead and take a look at some scriptures. I'm going to pray again, and Greg, if you can get your monitor. I'm not sure which one it is. I'm not easily distracted because I work with teenagers, but I can be distracted. That one's going to get me. Oh, look at that. Piece of cake, huh? Let's pray. God, as we open up the 
promises from your word in Scripture as we take a look in 2 Corinthians today. I pray that you would stir in our hearts, in our, in our very core of who we are, that you are a loving God. And because you're a loving God, you're a generous God. Generosity becomes us because we're made in your image. And I pray that you would continue to stir in who we are, that as we come to know you, because you have loved us, and as we know you, we become full of grace. That we become a people of grace that unconditionally love and continue to hope and believe because of who you are in other people. That we become a church that truly is filled with pastors, people ministering in your word to other people, loving them. A generous church, not just financially, but of their time, of their love. Lord, I pray that you would stir in our hearts and strengthen us and that you'd give us understanding and that your Holy Spirit would continue to give us your word understanding, and a desire to know you more. We pray this in his name, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to set this up first, but if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians. And this idea of values as a church, we call this the Awakening Series. Greg's a very talented pastor and and singer-songwriter, if you will. When he wrote that song for me, I heard it at a youth camp, and it's just, it's a prayer. As you hear that song, Awaken My Soul, that God would awaken us. And as we take a look at Scripture, and as we took a look through this series, it was God awakening us, not to just a new title, a new series, but who we are as his people. That God's presence changes us, and that's how we started this. That it was not just a title, it was the value of who we are as God's people. That God's presence as we come to know him, as we start to understand his word, and as we begin that relationship, no matter where we've gone or walked and even walked away, as we come back to the Lord and we are in his presence and we know him, it transforms us. It transforms the way we think, the way we relate, the way we love, the way we forgive. And then the following week I gave the message on the Holy Spirit empowers us. Again, not, not just a, a value, but a biblical truth to say that when we put our trust in God and we're in his presence, the relationship with Jesus Christ empowers us. God gives us his spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome, to rely on him through strength, to live. And then we said to be his witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then I said Laconia and Gilmanton and Guilford and Meredith and Tilton and Franklin and on beyond. That he gives us his Holy Spirit, to be his witness, so we might speak for him, go for him. And then Pastor Greg came back up as we've rotated every other week. We can get used to this. It's a lot of fun. As, as Greg came up, we said, people matter, not because they just matter to us, because people matter to God, and as we reflect who God is, because people matter to God, they matter to us, because again, we are his church. We are his witness, and people matter. Today, we're going to take a look and just unpack this, that generosity becomes us. Take a look at the passage. And I know not all of us are farmers, but I know we have some farmers in the, in the house tonight. But it says, remember this, verse 6, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. 
And this idea of sowing is our God is a generous God, but I don't know how many of you have sowed seed. And so we know this phrase, to sow sparingly is to reap sparingly. And I, I would be honest, I, I know God's a loving God and a generous God. I just want to reap the benefits of what God gives. A little bit of what's in it for me. I don't want to have to sow generously to reap generously. I just want to reap generously. It's just part of our nature. And what God has called us to do is to be part of that sowing. And so the best way I can unpack this, unless you have a farm, is I experimented with growing a pumpkin patch. I didn't know the pumpkin fest was coming. This was a few years back. And so after my kids had their pumpkins carved a couple years ago, I thought with all these seeds, well, you know, we could dry them out and have salt them and have snacks. We just decided to take the handful of the seeds and go to our lower field. We have about six acres. And I decided I would just do our best to replant them. And I felt like the sower in the parable of the sower and the seed. And I was, oh, that's, that's some rocky path and a lot of weeds right there. Well, I'm going to put it there too. And, and then if you know me, I just started, we had a lot of pumpkin seeds. <laughs> and I spread the seed all over. And then, of course, my boy somehow figured that dad was in the backyard and caught on that dad is throwing pumpkin seeds all throughout the lower two-acre field in their backyard. So they joined me, and it turned into a small, you know, my six boys and I party of throwing pumpkin seeds, for the most part, planting them. But it turned into a lot of fun, and then there was this moment where I just said, I mean, it's, not, it's not hard for me to celebrate, but I just stopped and felt in my heart and said, God is a generous God. He wants us to sow his seed generously. Even though this is pumpkin seed, I, I just, I stopped, and I, of course, it's a teaching moment with, Pastor Mike, usually at least half the time. Sometimes it's just throwing pumpkin seeds out and having fun. But I stopped and I said, you know, when we tell people about God's word, it's like planting a seed. When we tell people that God loves them, it's planting a seed. And so I, I painted that picture and said, so you know, a year from now, we're going to come back here. And there's going to be pumpkins growing all over the place. And that was our hope. And of course, a year later, they grew sideways and half this way. And some weren't even, I'm not sure, pumpkins. They were morphed and things. And, but they grew all over the field, and then we realized we should probably plant pumpkin seeds normally in a field and, and created a garden. This year we had nice orange pumpkins and 25, 30 of them. But the heart of that was God is sows generously, even in the sower and the seed. He knew that some would be taken. He knew that on the rock that some would not grow, but he continued to pour out the seed. And that, that really is a picture and at the core of who we are as God's church. If you take a look at the scripture, because when we learn not just financially, but to give generously of our time to our family, to others, then the needs of the church are not only met, I'm, I'm convinced the needs of cities are met. Because we are giving and God provides because he's a generous God, and he's a loving God. Take a look at the passage. We really stopped it there and said that, decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In your heart, you have to decide. It's a decision. But in your heart, because you know who God is, and as you come to understand more what Jesus Christ did, it's a reflection. When we give generously, towards others, towards needs, we are reflecting a generous God. We become part of that witness. Uh, I'll give you an example. The prodigal son that Pastor Greg shared about is really at the very heart of this message, is that God is a loving God. 
And so when the prodigal does his thing, really says, give me you know, my part of the inheritance, and then the Bible goes and does his thing, he comes back realizing you know, he, he did the wrong thing. He returned back to his father realizing, I'm just going to go back and say I'm sorry. And the beautiful picture that Pastor Greg painted was the, the love of a father, and this is a picture of God the Father, he's got his arms waiting. And he didn't just wait for his prodigal son to return. He's watching and anticipating for his return. And with his arms open, he runs to him, runs to him, embraces him, puts a new coat over him, a robe, a ring on his finger. It says, my son who was lost is now found. And that's the anticipation and love of a generous father. Now, I, I have to admit, I didn't have that dad growing up, but I learned that the Heavenly Father was a generous dad. If I came back to my dad because I made some mistakes, he'd have the ledger, and he'd know exactly how many hours I still owed and how much I owed, and part accountant, part... Uh, we used to call him the prison warden. I say that with respect. And we worked on the warden ranch. And uh, we moved stones from one end to the other end and etc. God is not a warden. He's a loving God. And in John 3.16, when we understand this verse, it says that God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved you and me that he's generous. That he gave his, what? One and only son that whoever would believe would not perish even though we deserve the consequences of our sin, would not perish but have eternal life. It's again, he still has his arms out. This time it's Jesus Christ on a cross dying for you and I for the forgiveness of our sins. And sometimes we just, maybe we know that story, but we realize his arms are still extended out. I love you so much that I died on a cross so that you could be forgiven. It's a, it's a holy hug. This time it's from the cross. It says, I love you, and I want you to be made right with me, and so I will die in your place so that you can be forgiven. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did, not what we have done or tried to do to earn it, we can't earn it. The Bible teaches us that it's by grace that we are saved, not by our works. Then this relationship is we start to know God in his heart. We start to know God in his love because we enter into that relationship through Jesus Christ. And we do. We learn how to be embraced. One of the gals in the earlier service really had a word from God and came over and whispered and said, could you share this? I just want you to know that sometimes we need to be embraced by people. And then she paused and said, because God embraces us. And sometimes we just won't let others embrace us. And sometimes we turn away from God. God not only has his arms out for that embrace, I want us to be a church that is like that father that runs and anticipates and that we would be a church where prodigals run back. Yeah. Maybe they walk back hesitant, going back to church, woe is me, because they've experienced a warden uh, parent, which I understand the consequences. <laughs> but I want them to run back to church, coming to a father who is loving and waiting for them, that they return home knowing the love of a father that is generous. And that is a grace-filled relationship because we know God, that we become grace-filled people. Now, I know not all of us Know that, but listen to what God promises back in the text. Because he's a loving God, a forgiving God, and he will provide. And as we come to know him, we put our trust and rely on him. Listen to how the text continues. In the scripture, we go from really, God loves a cheerful giver, 
In verse 8 it says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I had to emphasize the all, the every, the everything. Because that's the God that we know, a generous God that blesses you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. I love that to be us. That in the early church, in Acts chapter 2, everybody gave. I don't don't know what that would look like, but instead of giving 30,000 potential pumpkins at Pumpkin Fest, so everybody could carve one, they just gave what they had so that there was no longer a need. I believe that starts with knowing Jesus Christ. And then as you give, it's because out of the love of God that we learn how to love. Can you imagine that if we freely scattered our gifts to the poor? Now, I know you're realistic, and I am as well. There might be a mob scene, and there might be fighting, and people will take what they can. But that's not the good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's not the promise. God says, give, and he's going to, again, hear this, able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you abound in every good work. But here's why. We don't give so that and somehow we gain. The scripture talks about not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We don't give knowing that, well, maybe, and if I do this, then maybe God will do this. We give to give God the glory, to give God the praise. That when we give generously and we spend our time with others, I know there are people that need to be discipled. Now, what I mean by that is to walk closer and learn how to read and understand the Bible. And not all of us have been able to do that or have ever had someone help us. But you could give of your time and say, I can mentor a middle school student. I'm not talking about mentoring at the middle school. I'm talking about in this church, discipling somebody else. Taking the time to open up and say, hey, I want to meet with you over lunch. And then all of a sudden you're giving because God is a loving and generous God. You're helping someone else to know more about God. That's that's what God's calling us to do, to be generous with what he's already entrusted to us. The seed that has been given to us, he's saying, share it. Plant it. One seed. Now you might get crazy pumpkins, upside down, orange, and purple. But let God do the watering and take that seed and let it grow in someone else and let them learn more about who God is. And that's how the Great Commission lifestyle and what it means that when generosity becomes us, we become a generous church, not again just financially, but loving people and telling them about God. And Laconia will be a different city. And my my prayer, honestly, as we, I'm going to close in this passage is that as God strengthens us and does this, we become not famous for Bike Week, not famous for Pumpkin Fest, even though it was a lot of fun. We become famous for who Jesus Christ is and for his church. I love this idea of awakening because I'm, you know, a Pennsylvania guy, but if you take a look at the scriptures and when you're hanging around up here in in New England and in New Hampshire and Laconia, people keep talking about awaken. God, awaken us. It starts with us. And then in faithfulness, simply saying, just one person. Who is one person I can disciple? Who is one person I can spend some time with? I'm not sure how to disciple them, but I want to tell them about God and meet with them. Just one person. And if if you're that one person going, I, I want someone to spend time with me. 
You have to learn to ask. You have to learn to say, okay, God's a loving God. Is there someone in the church that's loving that would meet with me? And ask, not just the pastoral team or the elders, but there are people here that will meet with you. That's the, the gift of life group and, and, a, and a home that is open so that we can learn more about God. That's why we're doing this awakening series, that if God got a hold of us, we become a generous people because God loved, he gave. We love and we give. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us Ephesians chapter 2 in closing. If you have, really, Ephesians chapter 3, but we are saved by grace. I'm going to invite the band up here. Pastor Greg's jumping up already. I love him, man. That we're saved by grace, and if grace is God's gift to us that we do not, what, earn, work for, while we were still sinners, he died for us. Not because I did something or would do something later. I put you in the mic up here. But because he loved us, he gave us his son. I said earlier that I have six boys, and they are far from perfect. They are all boy. They, I mean, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. They're a lot like I am. They didn't need an excuse to throw pumpkin seed into the lower field. But I would not give up one of my sons for any one of the teenagers that I so want to know God. I don't have that kind of love. That's just how generous and loving God is, that he gave up his one and only son. Now, I might willingly lay down my life so some teenager might get it, but I'll never give up one of my sons. I don't have that love, but God's love is amazing. In Ephesians, actually, chapter 3, this is my prayer that I, I want you to hold as a church, as a people, but as sons and daughters of a loving God. This is a prayer that I prayed almost every day when I taught at Laconia Christian Academy, and I've begun to pray because God has not released it from me for you, for our team. And in Ephesians chapter 3, it says this, because it's asking a generous God to strengthen us. It's asking a loving God to empower us. It's asking a loving God to help us know that he's a loving God. It says this in chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. He's a generous, loving God. That he would, out of his glorious riches, strengthen you and me with power through his spirit and your inner being. In your core, God would give you the strength. You have to look to him. You have to go to him. That God would give you the strength. You can't live life on your own good New England style, pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. You've got to look to him. And that he would give you the power through his Spirit, his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's the only way to live. In that relationship where he gives you a relationship through faith in your heart. I pray that you being rooted and established in love, where the seeds of God's love have helped you understand the truth, seated, rooted, and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people, all the saints, all the believers together, that you'd have that power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It begins there. To really know that love, not just from you know, someone saying it in your ear or it's head knowledge, but in your inner heart to know how amazing God's love is. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. What a prayer if we adopted this. 
if we took this prayer and said that God would fill us to the fullness of his measure so that we would love one another and become a generous people, loving other people and spending time helping other people to know who he is. You might not feel equipped to do that, but God will give you the words. He promises he gives you his Holy Spirit to be his witness. Take a step. Say, okay, all right, God. I, I made that, that step back in high school and I'm still conv- not fully convinced why God uses my life to tell other people about him. And sometimes it's hard going, wow, God, why would you use my life? But I just took a simple step and said, God, I'm willing if you'll use my life to tell people about you. And of course, I became a pastor and I'm pastoring youth and teenagers and families. I'm just asking you to surrender to saying, God, you promised to empower us. You give us your Holy Spirit. You give us the spirit of Jesus Christ in that same power. This prayer is simply saying, then help me. Help me live my life and love others. And as you loved and gave your one and only son, let me love and give some of my time to somebody else to tell them about you. Watch how it ends because it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, now to him who is generous, now to a God who is amazing, now to a God who is loving and unconditionally loving you, a father that welcomes the prodigal to return. It says, to him who is able to do more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, that he would get the praise. Throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen, and I will say, and in this generation that we're raising, and in your generation that we would live for God, he will give you that strength. Let me close as a prayer, and we're going to worship. And if you have little ones, you can grab them. But let this be a prayer that just simply says, God, again, I, I'm willing. Strengthen me in my inner core that I might love like you love and be a generous person with my time or the gifts that you've given me so that someone else might know you. Invite someone to church or just simply tell them, God loves them. I know that's not easy, but that's what God's asking us to do. He died so that we can live, and I would tell you, live for him, that others might know him as well. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would, you would help us As you are a generous God, it's because you so loved and you made us in your image to love like you have loved, to forgive like you have forgiven. I pray that, Lord, you strengthen us in our inner core and our inner being through your Holy Spirit, that we might love and tell others about you, that we might rely on you as we live, learning to rely on your strength, that we might live for you, that next week, even when we come back, Just a week later, this week would be different because we're looking to you. We're putting our trust in you and that your Holy Spirit empowers us and your presence changes us. And you help us to love other people because they matter to you. And now they matter to us. Help us to be a generous people. Help us to be your arms and your feet. For truly you are enough in this life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.